Good morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, would you be turning to the book of Judges, Judges chapter 1. I think what Don really did was open the door up there. If you have any other questions for Miss Wilma while she's here, we can ask about Don's childhood and anything else he might have done or not done. Uh, you might be here all afternoon, but uh, we're thankful to see Miss Wilma, and we're thankful. Do what? And night, yeah, day and night. We're thankful to all of our visitors that are with us this morning. We have some who are visiting today. We're grateful that you have come our way. As we have said, we have a lot who are camping. It is camping season. Some have been at camp and come back. Some will be going uh, this afternoon and this week. And we have a good number of our young people and even a few adults who will be gone this week. So we want to wish them uh, safe travel and, and safe journey. But we are thankful that you are here this morning. Thankful if you would be willing to stay for us for our lunchtime in just a few moments as we uh, finish our services and we'll have lunch together, those who'd like to stay. Uh, and then we will have our afternoon service. I did want to make one uh, programming change. If you have a bulletin in front of you, you plan to be with us this afternoon. I have called an audible, uh, and we are not going to look at that lesson that's in the bulletin this afternoon. We're going to do uh, something different this afternoon. We're going to save that for a future time. We have been working our way through the Old Testament, and we finished that, and we plan to begin a study on what is usually called the intertestamental period, uh, the page in your Bible that ends the Old Testament and where the New Testament begins. And so we'll, we'll table that lesson and come back to it, uh, but we will have a service. We will have uh, a lesson this afternoon, and we hope you can be here uh, if you'd like to be a part of that service. Um, VBS was mentioned, our VBS on August the 6th. We hope that you can be here for that day as well. To our members, we will try to have a meeting next Sunday. Uh, we'll get an announcement in the bulletin, but next Sunday we'll try to have a meeting right at, maybe right after the morning service to go ahead and hand out assignments and make plans. Uh, many of you know that, that we will be involved with the Bible camp then the next week, so we want to get the ball rolling on all those things and people uh, give pl people plenty of time to be setting up what they'll be working with to know what your assignment or, or role is to help that day. Uh, we've made mention in a previous announcement we want all of our members to be here, uh, but also to be a part of working, to help teach or to help do snacks or crafts or whatever it might be, and we'll do our best to get the word out to the community and to the area. Uh, we would love to have lots of folks join us that Sunday afternoon. This morning we are continuing in a series of lessons that we have entitled Sunday School Catch-Up. Now I realize that the last possible moment this morning that I didn't have the usual title slide in this presentation like we usually do, but we usually have one that, that looks like a chalkboard and it has drawing on it and it says Sunday School Catch-Up. And the theme for this year, part of this year through these lessons has been the idea of a friendly recap. It really came from the idea that there may be some of you sitting here this morning who are older, and we'll leave that up for interpretation, but you might be in your 30s or 40s or 50s or even older, and you say, well, you know, I didn't go to Bible school. I didn't go to Sunday school. And so when you talk about some of these people, some of these names, then I have no idea who you're talking about. I, don't, I never heard that story before. We're going to touch on some that are very familiar to the world. We've talked about Joshua and the walls of Jericho. We may touch on, in a future Sunday, David and Goliath. You see, people know those names. They're aware of those stories. But there's a lot of things that someone is sort of afraid to say. They're afraid to say, I don't, I don't know that. I wasn't raised going to Sunday school, and I don't remember those particular people. So this has kind of been a, a shot or an aim at trying to help all of us just touch on some of the overarching themes and people of the Bible, specifically maybe the Old Testament, but really to do an overview, to try to help situate in our minds a timeline. I've done this a couple of different ways, and the way that I thought we would begin this morning is that, you know, we often try to break the Bible down into just, just like one word. 
We often try to break the Bible down into just one theme or one word or something that's very, very succinct. And one of those might be the word relationship. The word relationship. The Bible has always been about God's relationship with man. And connected with that is our relationships have connections with the way that God has interacted with man. You see, God's not some just voice off in the distance that, that we can't understand or know or anything like that. God has had a relationship with man all along from the time you open your Bible until today. God wants and desires a relationship with man and has wanted to interact with man. That has changed sometimes over the course of history, but that has been his desire. So what does that look like and what does that have to do with the Bible? Well, let's try to start as large as we can, right? If you're holding a Bible and you look at it, as large as we can is to say that there is an Old Testament and a New Testament. You say, I got that, preacher. Okay, I understand. But when we think about the, the vastness of the Bible and the very as big of a zoom out as we can get, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And that is, gives us some idea of God and his relationship with mankind. But then we begin to zoom in a little bit, and we have what we often refer to as three periods or three dispensations or three ages of time. And so if we were to take the Old and the New Testament and we zoom in just a little bit, there is a little bit of a difference. There is, first of all, what we often call the patriarchal dispensation or the patriarchal age. And we usually say that is Genesis 1, the time you open your Bible and read in the beginning God, to about Exodus chapter 20. That is a time in which God spoke to and through the fathers. You see, someone might say that in Exodus chapter 20, when the Ten Commandments are given and the law of Moses is given, that that's when God told people what he wanted. And from Exodus chapter 20 backwards, it was just a free-for-all. Yeah, How did anybody know what was going on? We're not told exactly how God communicated his will and his laws, so we don't know. Well, we don't know exactly, but we do commonly refer to this as the patriarchal age. Patriarchs, the fathers. God is speaking through and to the heads of the families, the heads of the households. Last Sunday, we talked about fathers. We talked about Father's Day. We talk about sometimes male spiritual leadership, how that's always been important to God. How do we know that? Well, this is one way. Going back to the beginning, he spoke by the fathers through the fathers to communicate his will. So there's a line, and we come to Exodus chapter 20, and that's kind of important because as you open, if you, did, if you were to turn to Exodus chapter 20, you notice that there is the Ten Commandments. And so as the children of Israel exit Exodus, Egypt, and they make it to Mount Sinai, God delivers what we call the Law of Moses. So it becomes the Mosaical Age or the Mosaical Dispensation or the Mosaical Period of Time. And it's a lot bigger than you think. You see, I, I, before I tried to make a bit of a timeline and, and maybe give a little bit, it's this big, then it's this big. and you know, I didn't do that today. But when you see Exodus 20 to Calvary, that's a pretty good chunk of your Bible is what we would call the Mosaical Age. The Jews, the children of Israel, are living under the law of Moses. Zoom back out, we kind of sometimes call that the Old Covenant. But it doesn't stop at that blank page before Matthew. It carries over into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So when we zoom in, we see there's a little bit of a difference there. 
When we move forward then, of course, I put Calvary, but you could say the cross, you could say the death of Jesus, because there are many passages we could examine that remind us that it's when Jesus dies on the cross that the old covenant, the old law, the law of Moses is done away with, and we begin what we call the Christian age. You see, that's where we are right now, in the Christian dispensation, living under the New Testament or the New Covenant or the law of Christ, some might say, instead of the law of Moses. These are the three dispensations of time, including the one that is still continuing on today. You might say that when it comes to your Bible, the Mosaical Age is a big chunk, but as you think about making it to the year 2023, we are living in the Christian age. Now, let's talk a little bit more, let's talk a little deeper one minute before we get to our lesson. We zoom in some more, and just to give you some detail of where we've been, what we've talked about so far is the patriarchal age. We talked about Adam and Noah, I think in the same lesson. We talked about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was the same lesson because that was the flannel graph day that we had up here. And then we talked about Joseph. That is the time leading up to Moses and Mount Sinai. If you open your Bible or you hear a Bible class on any of these names, that is what you're talking about. The first period of time before the law of Moses. And they are very recognizable as we think about these great men, these great patriarchs. You move forward then to the Mosaical age and we talk about Moses, right? We said that. Moses obviously fits into there. And then we've even talked about Joshua. And here's the thing. We are still in the Mosaical age in our study. This is where we are. We've not moved all the way to Calvary yet, obviously. So we're going to be in the Mosaical dispensation for a while. If you recall, Deuteronomy ends with the death of Moses and in your Bible, you may have to turn a page or you may not, and you open up to Joshua, and Joshua is going to begin his reign, if you will, ruling over the children, helping them, guiding them, leading them. Well, Joshua ends with the death of Joshua, and that sets the stage for our discussion today, and it is the book of Judges. I think I lost my S there on the end of my slide. It is the book of Judges that we're going to talk about this morning. Now, the first thing that you need to know this morning as we examine this book to set the stage, it's not exactly biblical. You won't find this in the Bible, this particular phraseology, but it is absolutely true that this is the period of time that is often called the Dark Ages. Now again, that's not a name God has given. That's not a biblical name. You don't read it in the book of Judges exactly. We take that as a play on the dark ages that you may be familiar with, all right? When you think about European history, you may have studied a period of time, and it's not to be confused with the period of history that's sometimes called the dark ages, okay? That's not the same thing. But it is referred to as the period of dark ages because of what is talked about, because of how dark the hearts of the people were because of how their, their dark hearts showed in their behavior and in their actions and in their attitude toward God. I never try to hide anything. I, I don't want to try to hide anything. I, I'm always willing and open to discuss the Bible with you. But sometimes this is the book that we wouldn't try to hide, but it does carry with it a bit of a, a child warning, a bit of a parental warning, as we say, as we talk about our TV shows and movies and music. This is the book that has lots of blood. This is the book that has violence, and we might even say gore. And I, I don't want to be crass, but it's true. 
By the end of the book, you see a person being cut up into pieces, their body. It's just true. It's just there. I had someone recently ask me about that and say, I got a question about that passage. Can we talk about that for a minute? Sure we can. But we need to understand that the book of Judges is very dark in some ways. It's important to how we learn about God. It's important for us as we learn the way that God interacts with people and with mankind. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. But it absolutely can carry with it this title of the Dark Ages. Someone once said it this way. And notice the name at the top is Joshua. Somebody once said it this way. The book of Joshua is about an obedient people who conquered the land through faith in the power of God. Where was their faith? Was it within themselves? Well, do you remember? They marched around a city and blew trumpets and the walls fell. That had nothing to do with them. There are other ways in which they won won battles that didn't have to do with them. So the book of Joshua is about an obedient people who conquered the land through their faith in God's power. You read the book of Joshua and it is a wonderful, encouraging book to study and shows us the power of God. That same person also said the book of Judges is about a disobedient people who are defeated time and time again because of their rebellion against God. It's a pretty stark change from the end of Joshua and the death of Joshua to reading the book of Judges. A few years ago, we challenged you to read through the Bible in a year, and some of you still do that on your own. But if you've ever worked your way through the Old Testament book by book, and you're really trying to dig in, there is encouraging words in Joshua. You know, because you may have it on your wall at home, Joshua 24 and verse 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but me and my house will serve the Lord. And it's like that movie, in the, it's like that speech in the sports movie where we say, yes, I'll run through a wall for you. We'll go win the game. It's exciting. And you open Judges, and it's defeated time and time again. It's rebellion time and time again. Now, we said that the word dark ages, that phrase is not actually biblical. But here is what is in the Bible. And it's found in Joshua, excuse me, Judges chapter 21 and verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That verse is heavy. That verse is shameful. And this, we might say, is the book, the theme of the book of Judges. The question is, does it sound familiar? Does it maybe hit a little too close to home in the year 2023? That there are people, not that it matters who the president is or what the president is doing or that it matters exactly about our country or that we have a king, but that people are doing what is right in their own eyes. Steps on our toes. It sounds like the world around us. And we better not say that it only looks like the world around us because we do the exact same thing quite often in our own lives. We do what we want to do. We do what we think is right, not according to the word of God. This is the theme of the book of Judges. You want a dark ages? You want a dark book? That's a pretty dark theme, but it's absolutely the case. And we will come back to this in just a moment as we make some application. But let's touch on some high points. 
or maybe some low points as it comes to the book of Judges. First of all, we're going to talk about their names in just a moment, but their role was deliverers. Okay, you hear judges and you probably think like I think. You think of robes, you think of gavels. If you think back in time about history enough, you probably think of wigs, right? But that's not what we're talking about when it comes to the judges of the Bible. There was no courtroom, there was no jury, no gavels, no robes, no law degree involved. They were deliverers, and we're going to touch on that in just a moment. Some of them were even military leaders, we might say. They took on the role of leading the people in a military way, not just, again, simply making decision, decisions when it comes to the children of Israel. But I think the best way to sum it up is they were deliverers. They delivered the children of Israel out of their problems. What does that mean? Well, let's talk about it. If you know much about the book of Judges, you know that there is a cycle, usually a four-part. Sometimes it's five, six, or seven. You could break it up a little differently, but we're going to make it four this morning. The first part is rebellion. If you have your Bible open to Judges, look in chapter 2 and verses 11 through 23. Judges 2, 11 through 23. Now, when we talk about this, we are going to see this cycle through out the entire 21 chapters, but you get a little snippet. It's very succinct right here in chapter 2, beginning in about verse 11. Notice that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals. Verse 12, they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. Verse 13, they forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtaroths. They rebelled. They rebelled against God. It's a theme of the Bible. It's a theme of human, humankind. It's a theme of us, if we're being honest about it. We often rebel against God, and as we've said already, do what we want to do. So that would be the first step. They leave God. And, and don't forget, do not let your mind leave the fact that we just walked out of Joshua, where they had brought down the walls, they had conquered the land. Not only that, but if you recall, the back half of Joshua is about them dividing the land. So this is not just about the, the winning, but the winning, the conquering, and the possessing. And the land is now theirs. They're not that far removed from that time, and yet here they are in rebellion. Number two, we might say oppression. You see this in verse number 14. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, so he, here's our word, delivered. It's the opposite of what the judges are doing. But he is delivering the people into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so they could no longer stand before their enemies. Now, if we did a deeper survey of the book of Judges, there's a lot of names that are used, a lot of countries and names like Canaanites and others that you're familiar with. There's a list of people that they are oppressed by. But we'll just kind of take the big picture here from chapter 2 and see that they rebel and God gives them over to the oppression. Number three, there is a crying out. Now, for this purpose, we really just see it in verse number 15 and part B, as we sometimes say, or the end of the verse. And they were greatly distressed. Now, as you work through the book, we're going to see that what that means is they cry out to God. They cry out to God. Have you ever had your, your children do something disobedient? And, and you've told them not to, but yet they do it. And maybe for a time you let them suffer a little bit, so maybe they'll get the message, right? Maybe they'll understand the meaning. 
You would never, we, we never really want our children to hurt or to suffer, but sometimes we know that pain and suffering is a good teacher. And so they're crying out to God, help us, help us. And like a parent, God's better than us, by the way, I know you know that, but, but like a parent, I'm sure it's frustrating to God. Do I have to rescue them again? Do I have to help them again? And he does. The fourth part is raising up a judge. And you see that in this small snippet in verse number 16. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Now, you may know that I have the New King James, and that's the way verse 16 reads here. That word, delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. I don't know what version you have, but do you want to sneak peek at verse number 17? Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. And notice the phrase, they turned quickly. The cycle starts anew. Time and time again, this is the, the cycle of sin that they go through. You'll have other words that are used. Some people break it up even a little further into five or six or seven points, as I mentioned a moment ago. But this is a pretty good way of saying it. They rebel, they're oppressed, they cry out for help, God listens and delivers them, and then they go right back to the mud. They go right back to the muck and the mire. That's sad in and of itself. I know many of you have had family members who deal with addiction and addiction issues, and that's the problem that we sometimes struggle with with those family members is we want to help them out of that. We pray for them and want to get them help, but they have to seek that on their own. They have to realize this cycle that they're in. And what you see in Judges, and I, I had a chance to teach this, I guess that was last fall, but what I pointed out in, in Judges is I usually do this, right? It's a cycle. Top to bottom, there, there's rebellion and oppression, crying out, delivered, there's this cycle. But what you find in Judges is, if I can use my hand, you take this cycle that goes this way, and eventually it also just starts going this way, further and further down, until you get to that story that I referenced a few moments ago about a human body being cut up into pieces. That is what you see with this particular cycle. Now, I know that we're not going to have time to get into all of it, but let's talk for just a few moments about the judges. And these are the names from top to bottom, left to right, of the judges that are found in the, in the book of Judges here. And I was trying to listen in to see if I could get any of the kids to start singing the song. I see Carter's mouth moving down here, so, all right. But Heath used to teach our kids, used to, to sing songs to the kids down front here, and he would always sing this song with them. Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, Abimelech, Tolajer, Jephthah, Ibzan, Elon, Abdon, Samson, Eli, Samuel. Close, right? Now, what Heath would do is he would get faster and faster. I'm not giving you that satisfaction, okay? I'm not going to sing it faster and faster this morning. But 13 judges down through Samson are found in the book of Judges. Eli and Samuel go through the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1 through chapter 9. Now, I didn't have any visual aids this morning as we've kind of had through this, so my rough singing is the best that you're going to get this morning for Bible class or actual Sunday school. But these, this is the list. And you probably don't even 
you may not have even heard these names before. In fact, one thing that I always thought, thought was funny was in the middle column there, there's Tola and Jer. For the longest time, I thought that was one name. I thought that was somebody named Tola Jer. All right, then I realized, no, there's two judges there, Tola and Jer. But you know how you figure that out? You've got to look at the book of Judges. You've got to go through and realize what these people were going through because this is the list of judges, and with some of them we have great detail where we learn a lot about the God of heaven. And with some of them we get one or two or three verses and that's about it. But we do learn that they are judges. Now when we think about knowing more about some of them, let's talk about three of them together very quickly this morning. First of all, Deborah. Deborah is found in Judges chapter 4, chapters 4 and 5. Really she's found in chapter 4. Chapter 5, if you've turned there, is the song of Deborah. Deborah is the only female judge. You see, we've got to be careful. We can't just say men. We can't just say him because it is Deborah is one of the judges here. She's the only female judge. In fact, she's called the mother or a mother in Israel. In verse number 5 of chapter 4, they come to her for judgment. And the rest of chapter 4, she is involved in leading the children of Israel in defeating the Canaanites. That is what she does. There's not great detail about what she does, but she is involved in that. In fact, chapter 4 is a little bit more well-known for a tent peg that goes through a skull. That's probably the story that you may know more well from this particular chapter. Chapter 5 is the song of Deborah. You recall that as the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, Moses sings a song about this momentous occasion. Deborah and Barak, or Barak here, do the same thing in chapter 5. Deborah is one of the most well-known judges. What about Judges chapter 6 through chapter 8, where we meet Gideon? Gideon is the somewhat reluctant judge. Again, the Bible doesn't exactly reference him as a reluctant judge, but we say that because he has to kind of be, God has a communication with him, then he asks for a sign. You may recall in chapter 6 that he says he wants the the ground to be wet and the fleece to be dry and then reversed back, back the, the other way, one to be wet and the other to be dry. And so he asks for these signs from God, and God does just that, which leads us to chapter 7, and that's the most famous part of the story of Gideon, where he has an army of 32,000 that is brought down. God reduces it from 32,000 to only 300. And it doesn't matter because that 300 is the one that wins the battle. That 300 did not require missiles or guns. It didn't even require swords in one sense. But they had the pitchers and the lanterns, and they are able to win the battle just in that moment there. All of this with Deborah, all of this with Gideon, is done by the power of God. And, of course, we move on then to the end, near the end of the book, Chapters 13 through 16, where we meet Samson. You know, the interesting thing about Samson is Samson's mission was foretold even before his conception. If you look at the story of Samson, what we commonly think of is the ending. And not just the ending, but we back up a little bit and we think about the woman, right? The woman who was involved there. But Samson has got an interesting story, especially with his parents, his mission is foretold before he's even born. And we meet his parents in chapter 13, and it's a really good story. We're about to talk about two lessons, but here's a free one, a third one. A good beginning does not guarantee a good ending. 
You see, we look at Samson and we dog him and we think, oh man, he was awful. He didn't do what was right. He had to take his own life. But Samson had a good beginning. His parents were concerned about his spiritual well-being. But yet, that doesn't guarantee a good ending. And we know about Samson and we know about Delilah and we know about his strength and we know about his hair and we know about the tragic end to his life. And it is very, very sad in this book of sadness or the dark ages. Very quickly, two lessons, and then this lesson will be yours. Number one, both of these are going to begin with the same thing. We might say, first of all, that there is trouble first in not knowing God. Go back with me, if you're still in Judges, to Judges chapter 2 and verse number 10. <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you want to know the root cause of your problems? Sometimes. Do you want to know the root cause of problems in the world today? I ask you to turn to Judges chapter 2, verses 11 through 23 a moment ago, to talk about the cycle of the judges. But I have in my Bible underlined in verse number 11 the word then, and I have an arrow from chapter 10 down to the word then. How did we get to them forsaking God? When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel forsake God and serve Baal. Because there arose a generation who did not know God, and not just that, but they knew not the work that he had done. The walls of Jericho go further back. The crossing of the Red Sea, the crossing of the Jordan, the win at Ai, the conquering of the land. They had forgotten all of this. Why? I don't know exactly. We surmise sometimes that maybe grandparents and parents stop teaching their children and grandchildren. We surmise that maybe there is a lack of teaching among families about God and his work. But whatever it might be, whoever we want to cast blame on, and we're good at casting blame sometimes, the fact is there arose a generation that knew not God nor the works he had done. Then they fall to idolatry. They fall to the people around them. In fact, what we might call this is the Canaanization of Israel. Emphasis on the word Canaan. They get too close to the Canaanites. They get too close to these sinful people, and then they become Canaanized. They're just like them. And may we learn the lesson then that we try to teach our children now that evil influences corrupt us, that we can act like that we, we're in the world, but we're not too close, and those things, we don't associate with them, we don't talk like them, all of these things. But the truth of the matter is that we are, when we are around evil influences, when we look like the world, we forget God and we forget what he's done for us. That spells trouble. It did for the children of Israel here and it does for us as well. When we talk about not knowing God, remember that the same warning is true in the New Testament. Paul would write in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 7. Now we're talking about the Christian age Right? Let's talk about those ages again. We're back to the Christian age, 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 7. What does Paul say? That the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven in flaming fire, taking vengeance, revenge. It doesn't sound like where I want to be. On who, Paul? Who is he going to take vengeance on? On those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You do not want to be in those categories. 
There is trouble when we forget God and we do not know him. Then finally this morning, there is also trouble in doing what is right in your own eyes. I put on the screen for you a few moments ago, Judges 21 and verse 25. But if you're making notes or you like to write in your Bible, you can also jot down Judges 17 and verse number 6 and Judges 18 and verse number 1. Because it's not just once, it's not just twice, but it's three times that the Holy Spirit sees fit to tell us that the people were doing what was right in their own eyes. That's the problem. They forget God, and when we set God out of the way and his laws, well, it's up to each man just to decide what's right and what's best. In Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23, Jeremiah would say, Oh, Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Jeremiah says that. I think you're here this morning because you believe that, but are we acting that way? The world is not. They think that man's got it all figured out. We don't need God. God can't tell me what to do. I'll just do whatever I think is best or right. And, of course, we know the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 24, among so many other passages, where he says, follow your own heart, right? Follow whatever your gut is telling you to do. Jesus says, follow me. Don't try it on your own. You'll fail. Follow me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We are to follow Jesus. Certainly in the Christian age, we are to follow God in a broader sense. There is trouble when we forget God and don't know him and when we try to do what we think is right. The book of Judges is a very sad and very dark book. We must remember God. We must follow his word. We must learn from the examples of these people. I always joke about giving you homework, but this can be some good homework if you'd like to or if you need something to study this week. Read the book of Judges. It's, it's a little hard to stomach, but it will absolutely teach you a little bit about God and the way he interacted with the children of Israel during that time. And there are a lot more lessons than just those two, by the way, that we can learn from the book of Judges. We do certainly live under the Christian age, though, as we have said. We don't offer sacrifices for the forgiveness of our sins, but we're thankful that Jesus offered his sacrifice, himself, his blood, once and for all, for mankind. It's with that in mind that we sing a hymn of encouragement. It's with that in mind that we put this slide up at the end of our lesson each first day of the week, each Sunday morning, to remind all of us that there is a plan of salvation under the Christian dispensation by which man can be saved. If you've ever asked that question this morning, you can look at the slide and understand some about that, but we always want to offer that we would study with you as soon as possible, that you might understand the things that are in the New Testament that a person must do in order to be saved. You can have your sins washed away by the blood of Christ, being immersed into water, baptized for the remission of your sins, and the Lord will add you to his church even this day if you're ready at this time to do that. Brother or sister, maybe you're here this morning, you've done that but you have struggled to remain faithful. You've wandered away and you realize there's sin in your life that you need forgiveness of. We are thankful that under the Christian dispensation, God has extended a second law of pardon, as we sometimes call it. It's not that you get one shot and you mess up and you're done. It's that you can ask for forgiveness of sins, repent of those sins and confess them before God. And he is just, he is willing to forgive. He will do just that, that you can again walk in the light as he is in the light. You see that, that dark picture in the book of Judges? We don't have to be a part of that. 
We can live faithfully. We can be on the path to heaven above. And even this morning, we have a chance to change, even now as we stand together and as we sing.